This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen is the best thing that can happen. Today we're going to take a look at 10 fighters who suffered devastating losses that forced them to look at their game and make major changes that took them to heights they never would have found if not for the lessons learned in defeat. All right, lads, before we jump into today's video, we're going to give a shout out to our sponsor, and I'm very excited about this one. Obviously, I'm a massive fan of the UFC video games. UFC 5 is here, and what better way to enjoy it than with our friends 1v1me. It's the ultimate platform to stake on esports. They run 90 plus events a week for UFC 5, Madden, NBA 2K, even Rocket League. And you can jump in at any point during the day and get in on some action. They've got a 4.8 rating on the App Store after thousands of reviews. $14 million in cash has already been paid out. And you can jump on there, find your favorite players, find a team to place a stake on. You can place your stake and watch the game all inside the app. And if they win, you win. If it sounds like your kind of thing, you can download it on the iOS app store or on their website 1v1me.com but make sure you use our exclusive code on point and get $10 added to your first stake of $10 or more you do of course have to be over 18 to place a stake but go ahead go have some fun on us see you at the fights I'm Tommy from MMA on point a massive shout to our biggest supporters in our hall of famers and these are 10 opponents that forced fighters to level up number 10 Michelle Pajeda versus Tristan Conley I love this one because Pajeda's style makes me laugh and this fight is the peak of his comedy if you're not already familiar Pajeda is well known for his flippy shit in fact I often just call him flippy shit guy and in no fight did he more embody that name than when he fought UFC newcomer Tristan Conley on short notice back in 2019 Michelle who regularly Showtime hops off the cage for no reason, launches into rolling thunders, does backflips, and throws full meter specials like their jabs, was really feeling his chaotic style in the opener of the Connolly fight, which would result in his tank running out immediately, thus earning him an embarrassing UD loss. Immediately afterwards, in the bout with Diego Sanchez, while much of the style remained, it was far more controlled and timed better, and that has only become more true in the six fights he's won since then. Sometimes he doesn't even flip once in a fight anymore, and he doesn't breakdance for Bruce Buffer either. Pajeda is still down to throw some wild shit, but after losing to Tristan Conley, he realized spamming special moves probably isn't the best idea. Number 9. Max Holloway vs. Conor McGregor When a dude who blew his whole knee out takes you down four times and holds you down for more than a round, it might be time to level up your game. Back in 2013, a young blessed was coming off a decision loss to Dennis Bermudez, who also scored four takedowns on him, when he met the Notorious, who, as I mentioned, famously tore his ACL early in the 
about and improvised, using his superior grappling to earn 30s across the board. Max must have got the memo on takedown defense being an issue because his opponents going forward would have a real problem with it, and Holloway would go on a 13-fight run that earned him featherweight gold. His very next fight, Will Chope would go 0 for 5 on takedowns, Andre Feely got 3 but tried for 12, Clay Collard 1 for 10, Cole Miller 0 for 2, Cub Swanson 0 for 3, Charlie Olives couldn't get him down, Jeremy Stevens failed on 12 attempts, Ricardo Lamas 0 out of 6, need I go on. Part of what makes Max so dangerous on the feet is his ability to keep the fight there, and that ability really took shape after that loss to McGregor. Number 8. Brock Lesnar vs. Frank Mir Losing is not something that Brock Lesnar does very often. He ended his college wrestling career 106-5. I'm guessing he only lost a handful of times in high school as well. The guy hasn't had a lot of chances to level up because he hasn't needed to, which probably in part was his problem when he first encountered Frank Mir. Now, that is a hell of a UFC debut opponent, especially considering that at that point he'd only ever had a single pro bout, and it was against Minsu Kim. The fight was sloppy. Yes, Steve Mazzagatti was Steve Mazzagatti, but in just 90 seconds, a completely out-of-control Lesnar saw himself get a point deduction for a shot to the back of the head, and he turned what looked to be a potential win into a quick loss when Mir was able to get a hold of his leg mid-beatdown and put him in a knee bar. The painful lesson, especially with how long it took Maz to step in, was probably the best thing that could have happened to Lesnar, who showed increasing patience in his fights from that point forward. While he would bull rush Heath Herring after an early knockdown, the rest of the fight he took a measured approach, as he did when he won the title against Couture. The ultimate test would be in his rematch with Mir, where he looked night and day different. Far more control over himself and his opponent, poor Frank didn't stand a chance on that night. Really is a shame his career ended so quickly because it would have been fun to see how much more he evolved since he clearly was a fast learner. Number 7. Conor McGregor vs. Nate Diaz It had to be hard not to think you were invincible if you were Conor McGregor in 2016. He ended one of the greatest champions ever in 13 seconds. Hadn't lost in the UFC, he was the biggest draw in the sport, he was going for a second title a weight class up, how could he not think he could do anything? Like when that double champ fight fell through, take on Nate Diaz on two weeks notice, two weight classes up at 170. I'm sure he thought, why not? I'm a fucking MMA god. Of course, we all know how that went though. Not only would Connor get beat up, but he would appear to fade dramatically in the second round, which would force a takedown attempt and a submission loss. The bout became McGregor's new obsession. He refused to do anything but fight Diaz again under the exact same circumstances, two weight classes up. This would lead to him adopting the fast program in order to address his energy inefficiency in the first bout, and after an obsessive camp, Connor would come back a new man, able to go 25 minutes with Nate to earn the decision victory. He followed that up with a god-tier performance against Eddie Alvarez, having reached his ultimate form. The loss and the work he did after it pushing him to another level. Number 6. Henry Cejudo vs. Demetrius Johnson If you were wondering how confident Henry Cejudo was going into his fight with Demetrius Johnson just three years into his MMA career, he told the Las Vegas Review-Journal that he had no doubt he was going to leave champion that night. A bold outlook, especially considering the outcome, a first-round TKO loss courtesy of a knee by the flyweight goat. Cejudo would go on to tell the Review-Journal, you have to become a genius in all these different areas to beat him. I've got to get up there. It was like the loss woke Henry up to the fact that there was another level he could be pushing himself to, one he felt could only come with more fights in the cage. It would be the only way to level up to the level of DJ. He even said he would refuse a rematch until he knew he was good enough to beat him. More than two years after their first fight, Cejudo would dethrone the flyweight king in a split decision, a feature 
feet that has aged like the first Matrix movie. Number 5. George St. Pierre versus Matt Serra While GSP has told the story about how he had to learn to see Matt Hughes as a human in order to defeat him in their second fight and earn the welterweight title, a much more impactful and long-lasting level-up would come via the worst moment of his entire career. The loss to Matt Serra was not only devastating and unexpected, but a massive embarrassment for the Canadian, and he struggled deeply after the fight in getting over it. He found himself hyperfixated on the fight, to the point of being unable to focus on his training for his upcoming bout with Josh Koscheck, because if you recall, their rematch was not immediate. In fact, St. Pierre would have to fight Matt Hughes a third time for interim gold before that rematch. With the loss to Sarah tearing him apart, GSP went to a sports psychologist who had him carry a brick around everywhere he went to represent his inability to stop fixating on the loss. Eventually, the connection to the brick and letting go of the loss made something click for St. Pierre, who tossed it into a nearby body of water and got back to training. I know it sounds like something out of a movie, but it's how George has described it. He would, of course, come back one of the most dominant champions in history. Number 4. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Johnson In his first ever main event, Dustin Poirier lasted just 95 seconds. It had been two years since his loss to Connor, about he admitted he overextended himself in because he was too emotional. But in the time since, he'd put together four wins in a row with three finishes and two performance bonuses. Dustin was rolling, and the offense-heavy style he'd always fought with had paid off in seven of his last eight, so why change anything? Well, before he even had a chance to get anything going, the diamond would see himself on the canvas courtesy of a shot by Michael Johnson. Dustin was number seven, his first main event. This fight was supposed to put him in the title conversation, but his reckless style took it all away from him. Poirier decided after the loss that he needed to be smarter about his approach. He needed to be more defensive-minded, focused more on good footwork. The modified Philly Shell style that Poirier has adopted since that fight has been a massive part of his success and what elevated him to championship levels. One of the best examples on this list of a fighter being able to evolve their game even after 25 pro bouts. Number 3. Francis Ngannou vs. Stipe Miocic When Francis got to challenge Stipe for the heavyweight title, he'd never been in the third round of a fight in his entire life. His last four ended in under two minutes with him steamrolling everyone. In just 12 fights, he'd already found that early Tyson aura. He was going to get in, knock you out, and go home as fast as you could heat up a burrito in the microwave. So naturally, that was the game plan going into his fight with Stipe. 65 strikes thrown in the first round, nearly every one of them a knockout shot. The problem was he wasn't hitting anything. Francis would end the fight with an abysmal 18% significant strikes landed. He'd been taken down six times, controlled for over 15 minutes, and lost every single round. He punched himself out entirely in the first, and had nothing for Stipe the rest of the fight, only landing a total of six strikes over the next 20 minutes. It was a humbling experience, to say the least, and one that stuck with him, as is evident by him completely freezing up in his follow-up bout against Derek Lewis. Now, it wasn't clear that this moment changed in Ganu until we saw his rematch with Miocic, and I say that because his next four opponents, he would end in an average of 40 seconds. But the second fight with Stipe, it was like Nganu was a different fighter altogether. He was collected, he was deliberate, he wasn't trying to force shots, he even scored a takedown. He looked like an entirely different fighter, and as a result would score a second round KO finish to become the heavyweight champion, proving that a patient Nganu might be the most dangerous version of all. Number 2. Boss Rutan vs. Ken Shamrock Sometimes MMA plays out like a real-life martial arts movie or some shonen anime about fighting. Boss Rutan was a certified badass striker with a background in karate, taekwondo, and kickboxing. There were very few strikers in Japan at the time that had anywhere near his pedigree, but Rutan learned early in his time in Pancrase that that wasn't going to be enough. In his first seven 
seven bouts, Rutan would see two losses both via submission, which was understandable as he was still learning the ground game. But it would be his second encounter with Ken Shamrock for the King of Pancrase title that changed everything. After losing to a knee bar in just a minute, Rutan decided that he was going to become a master of the ground game as well, and since he was already so good at striking, he would focus solely on grappling from now on. He began training submissions two to three times a day, determined to both avoid losses on the ground and also create his own submission offense. And I would say he succeeded. Seven of his next eight wins would all come via sub. In fact, when he retired, he would end up with more submission victories than knockout wins. What a legendary level up. Number one, Amanda Nunes versus Kat Zingano. With nine career finishes and victories over names like Julia Budd and Jermaine Durandamy, what was clear was that Amanda Nunes had talent. But going into her fight with Kat Zingano, her then-girlfriend and training partner Nina Ansaroff knew that Nunes was going to lose. Amanda had trouble controlling herself and would get too anxious in big fights. Sure enough, the Lioness would fade after a solid start and get TKO'd in the third round. Amanda knew she had this problem, but the loss to Kat showed her that if she was going to beat top-tier talent, she would need to make some sort of change. So she went to a sports psychologist about her anxiousness during fights and training and moved to American Top Team, who could much better accommodate her needs as a fighter. The level up was massive. Nunez would return to the octagon and get back-to-back first-round finishes and wouldn't see another career loss until the Pena fight after having already established herself as the GOAT. What's even crazier is that after the loss to Kat, Amanda was considering just going back to Brazil to be with her family. Talk about a single fight leveling you up. She went from a talented but flawed prospect, one who was maybe considering leaving the sport, to one of the most complete and dominant fighters that MMA has ever seen. You know who else completely dominates, though? The editor of this video, Max Randall. Please show him all the love on his socials, as well as his new YouTube channel, The Guy's a Damn Legend. So are our channel champions, who we could not do this without. If you would like to join them, that is what the join button is for, believe it or not. If that's too much, liking and subscribing would be awesome as well. What other fighters leveled up after a big loss? Let me know down in the comments. And thanks so much for watching, guys. I'm gonna go for a walk or something.